NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. And in 2024, that building will be open for the Calgary Stampede. It will be the largest convention center in Western Canada. It will really turn Calgary into a convention destination. That is actually taking the first level of the South Hall where Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas is, and the second level, and then adding 200,000 square foot. Gee. And part of that agricultural education is to let them know of all the fantastic opportunities and, and careers that can be built within the field of agriculture. Uh, because I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. You know, there's the old saying, it's, uh, it's uh, cows, sows, and plows. Well, it's a lot more than that. Hey everybody, this is Matt West and you're joining us on NFR Extra. Now this is, this is gonna be a fun industry conversation because the man that we're talking to today is the CEO of the Calgary Stampede. Joel, this is uh it's an honor to be able to talk to you today. Yeah, pleasure to join you today, uh, especially after a successful Stampede 2022. So tell us a little bit about your background and the journey that has taken you to Calgary. You've worked in multiple parts of not only the the animal industry, but the rodeo industry. So tell us a little bit of your background. Yeah, and, and largely my entry into the fair and festival world and therefore the rodeo world has been through the livestock side. My, uh, both sides of my family were involved in uh, agriculture. My mother was from southeastern Wyoming, my father from northeastern Colorado. And uh, so there was farming and ranching on both sides of the family and, uh, and rodeo. On, uh, on my father's side, he actually rode bulls in college and uh, a little bit professionally. And I have an uncle by marriage who was a national finals rodeo saddle bronc qualifier a couple of times in the 60s. I, I determined earlier, very early on, that uh, I would much rather judge cattle than ride them. And so <laughs> I t- took the livestock route of things. Um, unfortunately, I lost both parents when I was young. My father when I was eight, my mother when I was nine. But my uh, two brothers and I were very fortunate to be raised by our paternal grandparents in Fort Collins, Colorado. Now, my grandfather, uh, who was from Grover, Colorado, and really was a jack of all trades. Uh, he was someone who owned a trucking line. Uh, he raised Hereford cattle. He operated the grain elevator. He was on the school board, coached the basketball team, uh, but he was also a 4-H leader. And so one of the first things he did when my two brothers and I came to live with them was, was sign us up for 4-H. Uh, he knew the power of that program. Uh, he was living in town at that time because he and my grandmother were both retired, but he rented land outside of town so that we could raise livestock and be involved in agriculture. And it was through my uh, experience in 4-H and livestock judging uh, that really paved the way to my education in animal science. Um, I coached the livestock judging team at Texas A&M for seven years where I completed my master's degree. Uh, in animal science. And then I went on to Michigan State University and worked for their extension service, completed an MBA there. Uh, from there, I went to certified Angus beef uh, for about three years and, uh, and then ended up at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo for 15 years. 
Uh, first position I had there was overseeing all the agricultural exhibits. And then eight years then I was promoted to president and CEO. So really worked with all aspects of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo for seven years as a result of that. And uh, left Houston in the spring of 20 and went to work for Angus Genetics Incorporated, which is uh, the subsidiary of the American Angus Association that uh, oversees genetic evaluation and genomic testing. So kind of back to the academic side. Uh, but when this opportunity came up at the Calgary Stampede, it's just something I could not pass up. Uh, been here many times as a guest and actually been coming up to Calgary uh, for about 30 years, first coming up here in the early 90s to work with one of the volunteer committees on a beef cattle judging school and did that for many years. And so this just really was not an opportunity I could pass up. And, and I feel very fortunate to have this position. Burford cattle growing up over to the Angus breed. <laughs> well, that was my grandfather who raised the, the Herefords. Uh, I, I had no problem working for either certified Angus beef or, or Angus Genetics Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, uh, you know, the, the Calgary stampede also, it encompasses so much of all the aspects that you're talking about growing up, um, looking at it. I've never been up there, but just as a fan uh, from horseshoeing to horse teams to cattle judging to uh auctioneer competitions everything that is production agriculture oriented i mean you you guys just cover all the bases yeah and and they do a they do a fantastic job we do a fantastic job uh, tomorrow's my one year anniversary so i'm still not saying we all the time um, <laughs> but uh you know and, and people ask me the difference between houston and and uh, calgary and and one of the obvious uh, differences and andy well knows this uh calgary's outdoors it's the greatest outdoor yeah. show on earth uh, with regard to the rodeo and the evening entertainment houston's indoors with the rodeo and the and the concerts that subsequently follow and big difference the size of the livestock show yes we still have livestock show here uh youth steer show uh and we have a very very good horse show here as well uh, but houston the livestock show is absolutely enormous but uh, really, the two organizations uh, do a fantastic job of presenting agriculture to largely an urban audience um, through educational displays and interactive exhibits. And, and Calgary does it, in my opinion, just as good as Houston does. And uh, we take that part of our mission uh, very seriously because most of our attendees, as they were in Houston, are two or three generations removed from any agrarian background. And it's my observation that uh, people tend to take agriculture for granted mm -hmm. um, because food is, is available and, and affordable, uh, current inflationary uh, situation notwithstanding, but because it's, it's affordable and available to most in North America, Canada and the U.S., we tend to take it for granted. And I think that's really, really dangerous long term because uh, food security is uh, just as important as energy security. Well, the thing that I think is unique about about both events that you've worked at is the promotion of agriculture and feeding the world is done in an unapologetic way. And, and that's something that I think that both organizations should take pride in is, hey, this is how agriculture works. We're going to show it to you and we're, we're not going to we're not going to sugarcoat anything. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it goes back to, to my earlier statement that I fear that most people 
uh, take agriculture for granted. And uh, when there's a, a supply shock, and I think back uh, when I was in Houston in 2017 with Hurricane Harvey, and you could not get a gallon of milk, or you could not find bread, or just staple items, uh, they just weren't available. Um, and that was a supply shock as a result of that, uh, that terrible storm. But what if things were like that all the time? Um, right. That's that's scary to think about, but uh, you know potentially could happen on some isolated bases uh, if if we don't take agriculture seriously and and those consumers uh, and and attendees who are coming to either Houston or or here at Calgary uh, that's probably their only true interaction with agriculture and so we need to take advantage of that and tell the story of agriculture. Um, a, so that they don't take it for granted and they realize how, how big of an impact agriculture has on their, their daily lives. Uh, but B, make sure that they, they take that appreciation forward because they are the current and future consumers uh, who will consume our products and they should be comfortable with the way those products are produced. They're also the current and future voters who will, uh, will vote for politicians uh, that are either uh, supportive of agricultural policy that uh, that allow greater access to markets and and uh, efficiency of production or or not allow those things. And so we have to take that very seriously and, and we have to seize that opportunity to tell the agricultural story when those guests are on site. Not only that, I mean, you could make an impact on future leaders as well. You know, I mean, somebody that's a child that goes there and experiences that and, you know, wants to become more involved and more educated in a lot of the issues that we're facing on all, all levels of production agriculture. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you another difference uh, between Calgary and Houston is that Calgary operates Stampede Park year round. Uh, most of it is leased from the city, but we're responsible for the upkeep of the buildings, the operation of the buildings, uh, the lease of the space throughout the year. And we have a youth campus here that we operate year round. And as part of that youth campus, we have what we call Stampede School. And uh, those are grade school students who are coming to us uh, for an entire week, every day for five days. And uh, they really participate in a curriculum that includes history, uh, you know, Western heritage. Uh, but one of the focal points is agriculture. And, and part of that agricultural education is to let them know of all the fantastic opportunities and, and career careers that can be built within the field of agriculture. Uh, because I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. You know, there's the old saying, it's, uh, it's uh, cows, sows, and plows. Well, it's a lot more than that. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of technology now where if uh, you get an associated science degree, you can go directly into agriculture and uh, contribute to uh, feeding the world in a safe and wholesome manner. Yeah. One of the things, too, that uh, it, it kind of runs parallel with all of production agriculture and rodeo and up there in Calgary, you guys have got a fair amount of understanding of this, but uh, is Mother Nature and weather drought, but also flood. I mean, that that can play a big part of what you guys are putting on up there. Oh, absolutely. Um, we uh, <laughs> this year's stampede was uh, was marked by no rain throughout, which was oh, good for us, but what a blessing. necessarily necessarily good for for agriculture. Uh, we did have some hail the Thursday night before we uh, we opened our, our our gates on Friday, but it was warm and it was dry, which was great for the crowds. But uh, you know, it, it became a little prolonged. It got a little bit dry here. Fortunately, we've had some rain here lately, though. Now, you mentioned the land there at the Stampede. 
Talk about how that is utilized other than the youth camps. I do believe that the stock actually has a place with you guys throughout the year. Uh, we actually have two ranches as well, uh, the Calgary Stampede. Uh, we have Stampede Ranch, uh, which is about two hours east of us in Hannah, uh, which is fairly arid country, but but fantastic for raising bucking horses. And uh, that ranch was established back in 1961. We have a ranch about an hour south of here uh, in Longview called the OH Ranch, which was actually established in the late 1800s and was donated to the Calgary Stampede uh, here about uh, five or six years ago. And it's a working ranch. Uh, we run about 300 commercial cows there and we fold that into our educational opportunities as well by uh, busing Calgary school children there uh, to learn about history and, and agriculture and, and, uh, and ranching life. Uh, so that's a great opportunity. The park itself uh, houses a number of uh, of facilities and of course the grandstand where the uh, which is now gmc stadium that's where the rodeo and the chuck wagon races occur we have the nutrient western event center which is really used throughout the year uh horse shows uh you know livestock shows we can actually put on convention rodeos for those who come here for a convention uh the big four roadhouse which was built back in the 60s i think that uh, can be used for uh meetings and events and trade shows Probably the marquee item on these grounds is the BMO Convention Center, which uh, is about 500,000 square feet and historically has been a trade show venue. So bringing in home and garden shows and auto shows and RV shows and things of that nature. Uh, the three orders of government here, the provincial, the city and the, the federal government, uh, committed $500 million to expand the BMO Convention Center to 1 million square feet. And it is currently under construction. Uh, our, our guests got a, a glimpse of it this year. When they come back in 2023, the outside will be finished and they'll get a sense for the beauty. And in 2024, that building will be open for the Calgary Stampede. It will be the largest convention center in Western Canada. It will really turn Calgary into a convention destination and have a tremendous economic impact on our city and, and on our province. Um, and it's a facility that we're really excited uh, to have it completed, uh, not just because uh, of the economic impact it's going to create here in Calgary, but because we're going to be able to utilize all that space and, and its quality space during the Calgary Stampede. So that's really exciting to look forward to here in the next two years. So in translation, for those that are listening, that is actually taking the first level of the South Hall where Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas is. And the second level, and then adding 200,000 square foot. Jeez. Just so you guys can kind of visualize what that space looks like. Will yeah, it all be one level? <laughs> no, it's, it's multiple levels. Um, it's uh, actually three levels tall. Uh, in some areas, uh, the, 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 the grand ballroom is 50,000 square feet and has a beautiful view looking south uh, into Calgary and, and a beautiful view overlooking our midway. Uh, when the show is going on, it's designed so that you could have two 2,000 person conventions and they never interact. Um, or you could have one huge convention, obviously, as well. So the year round activity here is really tied to those trade shows, moving more toward uh, conventions as we move forward. But we do have, to my earlier point, a lot of uh, agricultural events that go on here, whether it's uh, horse jumping or rodeo or things of that nature in the Nutrient Western Event Center. So 
the Stampede Grounds uh, is utilized year-round, and with the the uh, expansion to the BMO Center and the development that is going on, particularly north of us here, in turning this area into an entertainment and culture district, it's up to us to even make even greater use of Stampede Park throughout the year and integrate ourselves into that culture and entertainment district. And we're looking forward to that challenge. So you you have one more day and then you're off probation. So <laughs> yeah, you're, I, I get to play my new guy card until tomorrow. <laughs> in more than three decades in Vegas, 360 world champions have struck gold. None have won more titles than the three that make up the inaugural Vegas NFR Icons class. Banners for Trevor Brazil, Charmaine James, and Ty Murray will be permanently lifted to the rafters at the Thomas and Mack Center. And on December 1st, all three will be honored at a tribute luncheon at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Get your tickets now. Go to nfrexperience.com forward slash NFR Vegas icons for details. Tell us a little bit about year one as the CEO and then some of the maybe struggles and successes of coming out of the pandemic and having a full rodeo. Yeah, so it, it was really interesting. I did come up here for 2021 Stampede, and all of your list, your listeners may not be aware, but the Calgary Stampede did have an event in 2021. It was scaled back uh, from a typical attendance of 1.2 million, which we drew this year, uh, to a little over 500,000. And that was purposefully so from the standpoint of public health. It was the first major event in Calgary. And I can't say enough uh, great things about the staff and the volunteers for putting that event on. It's not easy to be first uh, sure. and, and bring back an event. Uh, pretty much all of the, the pandemic restrictions were dropped right before Stampede 2021. And so the people who came here, I think they had a good time. It was scaled back. Uh, we didn't have chuck wagon racing. Uh, that year, we didn't have concerts in the Saddle Dome. The the uh, the carnival had fewer rides, and we had fewer few food stands, and they were spaced out more inside the BMO Center. The commercial exhibits were spaced out more for uh, safety, public health, and safety uh, reasons. And even though that that stampede uh, only drew five hundred thousand people, uh, and it was done in a very responsible way, Nashville North. The, uh, the entertainment tent where we have live music uh, for patrons to enter. They either had to uh, take a rapid COVID test or they had to prove that they were two weeks post first uh, vaccination shot. So it was really the precursor to the vaccine passport, if you will, that we saw in Canada later. Uh, so a tremendous job by a, a staff and a volunteer group uh, and the staff in particular uh, was operating at about 60% of the pre-pandemic. And we're still not much over that. So they were doing a lot more work than they had in the past to pull that off as they were in 2022. So that was challenging. The reason I came up for that is I felt that I needed to see that. I need to experience it. I need to be able to reference it as I spoke to the staff and the, the volunteers as we recovered and we moved forward. And uh, that stampede was really meaningful to to our organization. So one of the interesting things about, uh, about not-for-profits in Canada is they cannot carry a financial reserve. In other words, there was no rainy day fund when the show was canceled in 2020 and scaled back in 2021. This Calgary Stampede lost $26 million in 2020. We lost $8.3 million in 2021. You can see the difference there. Both were losses, but 
that stampede in 2021 really helped keep us afloat right. financially. We have fantastic creditors uh, that worked with us with regard to restructuring our debt and our debt covenants and whatnot. But that stampede was really meaningful to really tied us forward so that we could get to Stampede 2022, which ended up being far more successful than we had planned. Uh, as we budgeted Stampede 2022 in uh, December of 2021, if you'll remember, Omicron was, uh, was rearing its ugly head. We weren't sure what to expect. We were conservative in our budget, planned on a million people coming, and we exercised great prudence on the expense side. We drew 1.2 million. And I can't say enough about the community and the corporate community of Calgary, the way they came back and supported the Calgary Stampede in 2022. It really allowed us to turn a corner financially. And this is going to be a multi-year recovery, but this 2022 show is really a sign that we've turned the corner and we're looking toward the future. You touched on Calgary corporate and Calgary as a whole. Tell us a little bit about that city when you start venturing off the fairgrounds. Yeah, and so I, uh, I, I'll make another comparison uh, with, with Calgary and Houston. Of course, I know both very well at this point. Um, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is incredible. Uh, you know, 23 days of activity, including the three days of barbecue and uh, drawing 2.4, 2.5 million people. Calgary Stampede over 10 days will draw 1.2 million people. So roughly about the same average daily attendance. But I will tell you, you can, you can drop into Houston during the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, because you're talking about a metro area of 6 million people, you can drop in there and not know that the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is happening. That's impossible in Calgary. Uh, <laughs> when, when you arrive at the airport, you know the Calgary Stampede is going on. Uh, and it's about 1.3 million people, so a smaller market. But to me, it's the perfect size market where, uh, where you can really permeate the city and, uh, and create this presence and this excitement uh, around the event. And a lot of that's the effort of our volunteer committees. We have a number of pancake breakfasts, uh, I think 13 of them over the 10 days where our caravan committee takes a stampede experience to the community um, with, with music and entertainment and of course a free pancake breakfast uh, that they can have as well. And, those types of events have been picked up by corporate Calgary. They have their own pancake breakfasts and parties throughout the 10 days. It is truly a citywide celebration here in Calgary and impossible to come here during those 10 days and not know that it's occurring. All right. So you mentioned the pancakes and I'm working on my dad bod each and every day. So what, what other types of good food can we find in Calgary? Because I've never been. <laughs> well, you know, I would say that uh, if you came here uh, and you sampled the fair, it's not that much different uh, than the U.S., whether it's during the Calgary Stampede, the Midway food or the restaurants around here. Um, you know, there are certainly some unique differences like uh, poutine, poutine. Uh, <laughs> French fries <laughs> with gravy and, and cheese curds on top. Uh, okay. So there, there are some local delicacies that you can uh, you can partake of, but you know the local restaurants. Alberta is pretty proud of its beef production, and oh, there yeah, are a number so. of really, really good steakhouses here. Uh, and so I, I think Andy, you'd feel right at home here from a culinary <laughs> standpoint. Perfect. Yeah, that poutine will put you on a fast track for the dad. <laughs> <laughs> what about so? What do uh, you got a favorite steakhouse up there? 
You know, I, I haven't sampled that many yet, to be perfectly honest. Uh, when I got here, uh, you know, about this time last year, September 1, um, there still weren't a lot of COVID restrictions. And uh, I think three days later, they imposed these restrictions again. Yeah. Uh, Canada was was far more serious about restrictions and masking and things like that uh, than, than in the States. And so my wife and I haven't really made the true restaurant rounds. Um, you know, there's restrictions got lifted uh, in the spring, but by that time we we're ramping up for Stampede and uh, we need to hit some more restaurants. The ones that I have hit have been fantastic. Uh, there's Vintage Chop House uh, just down the road here is one that I've eaten at twice and it's fantastic. I know there are a number of other great steakhouses that I look forward to uh, to frequenting, um, but during that time period, uh, I bought a new barbecue grill and uh, really cooked my own steaks. There uh, you go. Which, which, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty proud of my, I, I can't cook a lot, but I can make a good steak. Yeah. And, and I can also make creme brulee too. I'm proud. Oh of man. Ooh. There's, there's checks two and three. So what's, <laughs> as a, as long as you've been in this industry, what's your uh, favorite cut? Oh, I, I go for the strip steak. Strip steak. Uh, really? Yeah, to me, it's it's the best of both worlds. Uh, you, you know, with the tenderloin, obviously you have uh, you have tenderness, but it's it's not as flavorful. With the ribeye, you might get a little more flavor, but there's a little more fat and plate waste. And to me, the 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 strip loin is the best of both worlds. So mm. I'm a, I'm a strip steak person all the way. <laughs> yeah, that steak and creme brulee, man. That is that's a family favorite right here. <laughs> So we, we love seeing your buck in stock everywhere we go. So, I mean, with the event that you guys put on with the ranch and everything that you're doing, um, I, I would say one of the biggest challenges you guys have is continuing to sharpen the saw. So what's, what's the future look like for the Calgary Stampede? You know, it's, it looks really good. And uh, part of it is this new BMO center, um, not just because what it brings to the 10 days of the Calgary Stampede, but year round because we do operate that, we do manage that. And so that really diversifies our portfolio. As I mentioned before, it was largely a trade show venue that drew from the local audience to come to these trade shows. And now it's a convention uh, destination, drawing people from outside of Calgary to come here and stay in restaurants and or stay at, at hotels and eat at the local restaurants and whatnot, and uh, and really generate more rental space, rental revenue for us. So that's really really exciting uh, from that standpoint. And just the the area in general, I, I touched on it, but uh, there is a plan that has been uh, paused to build a new arena on some stampede owned land that's immediately north of us. It's parking lots now. And that arena would be a replacement for the saddle dome where the Calgary Flames play. Okay. Uh, if that happens, uh, we trade that land for the saddle dome land. And uh, there's a brand new arena there that could be used during the 10 day for concerts and other activities. And the saddle dome would come down, which frees up programmable space for us and uh, allows us to host our guests in a more comfortable fashion. So th that's really exciting. Um, there's also talk in this area. Uh, there are plans to, to build some more commuter rail, which would increase access directly to our doorstep. And, uh, you know, maybe a high-speed rail to Edmonton at some point that would bring people to our, our doorstep and, and a rail to Banff from the airport coming right by our park and stopping at our park and going to Banff, which is a, a huge destination. I know a lot of Americans, a lot of my friends that come to Stampede, they go to Banff. They, they never miss an opportunity to go. So those things are really, really exciting. And then there's some vacant land in this area that uh, 
that the city of Calgary through the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation, which is one of our development partners, they're looking at developing it. And so that brings people to the area and creates an opportunity for us to program Stampede Park and bring people on park year round. Um, as it pertains to this culture and entertainment district north of us that, uh, that is being worked on and planned, it's, it's kind of a build it and they will come. But as it pertains to Stampede Park, it's program it and they will come. And so we're going to have to really be mindful of what we're offering on site. A lot of it will be tied to agriculture, but uh, we won't limit it just to agriculture to draw people on our park year round and uh, really help support our organization. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining us here today. This has been outstanding. And, and honestly, our, our industry needs more people like you in it because it's, it's better when you're involved. So thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you very much. It's been a, been a pleasure joining you. And uh, hopefully uh, some of your listeners will uh, come and join us for Stampede 2023. And I hope the three of you will make it up here for Stampede 2023. You had me at cheese curds. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I can uh, manage to have to schedule a few more interviews from Calgary. Amen. Yeah, the, the first round of poutine is on me. <laughs> and then, yeah, the nap time. <laughs> Oh, well, really appreciate your time, sir. And again, thank you for everything that you're doing and uh, continuing to push production agriculture forward in a positive way. Thank you very much. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit NFRexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe.